Chapter Four of France and England in North America, Part Five. Count Frontenac, New France, Louis the Fourteenth, by Francis Parkman Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four, sixteen seventy-five to sixteen eighty-two. Frontenac and Duchesneau while writing to frontenac in terms of studied mildness the king and colbert took measures to curb his power in the absence of the bishop the appointment and removal of councillors had rested wholly with the governor and hence the council had been docile under his will it was now ordained that the councillors should be appointed by the king himself this was not the only change since the departure of the intendant talon his office had been vacant and frontenac was left to rule alone this seems to have been an experiment on the part of his masters at versailles who knowing the peculiarities of his temper were perhaps willing to try the effect of leaving him without a colleague the experiment had not succeeded an intendant was now therefore sent to quebec not only to manage the details of administration but also to watch the governor keep him if possible within prescribed bounds and report his proceedings to the minister the change was far from welcome to frontenac whose delight it was to hold all the reins of power in his own hands nor was he better pleased with the return of bishop laval which presently took place three preceding governors had quarrelled with that uncompromising prelate and there was little hope that frontenac and he would keep the peace all the signs of the sky foreboded storm the storm soon came the occasion of it was that old vexed question of the sale of brandy which has been fully treated in another volume and on which it is needless to dwell here another dispute quickly followed and here too the governor's chief adversaries were the bishop and the ecclesiastics duchesneau the new intendant took part with them the bishop and his clergy were on their side very glad of a secular ally for their power had greatly fallen since the days of mezy and the rank and imperious character of frontenac appeared to have held them in some awe they avoided as far as they could a direct collision with him and waged vicarious war in the person of their friend the intendant duchesneau was not of a conciliating spirit and he felt strong in the support of the clergy while frontenac when his temper was roused would fight with haughty and impracticable obstinacy for any position which he had once assumed however trivial or however mistaken there was incessant friction between the two colleagues in the exercise of their respective functions and occasions of difference were rarely wanting the question now at issue was that of honours and precedence at church and in religious ceremonies matters of substantial importance under the bourbon rule colbert interposed ordered duchesneau to treat frontenac with becoming deference and warned him not to make himself the partisan of the bishop while at the same time he exhorted frontenac to live in harmony with the intendant the dispute continued till the king lost his patience through all my kingdom he wrote to the governor i do not hear of so many difficulties on this matter of ecclesiastical honours as i see in the church of quebec and he directs him to conform to the practice established in the city of amiens and to exact no more since you ought to be satisfied with being the representative of my person in the country where i have placed you in command at the same time colbert corrects the intendant a memorial he wrote has been placed in my hands touching various ecclesiastical honours wherein there continually appears a great pretension on your part and on that of the bishop of quebec in your favour to establish an equality between the governor and you 
i think i have already said enough to lead you to know yourself and to understand the difference between a governor and an intendant so that it is no longer necessary for me to enter into particulars which could only serve to show you that you are completely in the wrong scarcely was this quarrel suppressed when another sprang up since the arrival of the intendant and the return of the bishop the council had ceased to be in the interest of frontenac several of its members were very obnoxious to him and chief among these was villeray a former councillor whom the king had lately reinstated frontenac admitted him to his seat with reluctance i obey your orders he wrote mournfully to colbert but villeray is the principal and most dangerous instrument of the bishop and the jesuits he says farther that many people think him to be a jesuit in disguise and that he is an intriguing busybody who makes trouble everywhere he also denounces the attorney-general auteuil as an ally of the jesuits another of the reconstructed council tilly meets his cordial approval but he soon found reason to change his mind concerning him the king had recently ordered that the intendant though holding only the third rank in the council should act as its president the commission of duchesneau however empowered him to preside only in the absence of the governor while frontenac is styled chief and president of the council in several of the dispatches addressed to him here was an inconsistency both parties claimed the right of presiding and both could rest their claim on a clear expression of the royal will frontenac rarely began a new quarrel till the autumn vessels had sailed for france because a full year must then elapse before his adversaries could send their complaints to the king and six months more before the king could send back his answer the governor had been heard to say on one of these occasions that he should now be master for eighteen months subject only to answering with his head for what he might do it was when the last vessel was gone in the autumn of sixteen seventy eight that he demanded to be styled chief and president on the records of the council and he showed a letter from the king in which he was so entitled in spite of this duchesneau resisted and appealed to precedent to sustain his position a long series of stormy sessions followed the councillors in the clerical interest supported the intendant frontenac chafed and angry refused all compromise business was stopped for weeks duchesneau lost temper and became abusive auteuil tried to interpose in behalf of the intendant frontenac struck the table with his fist and told him fiercely that he would teach him his duty every day embittered the strife the governor made the declaration usual with him on such occasions that he would not permit the royal authority to suffer in his person at length he banished from quebec his three most strenuous opponents villeray tilly and auteuil and commanded them to remain in their country houses till they received his farther orders all attempts at compromise proved fruitless and auteuil in behalf of the exiles appealed piteously to the king the answer came in the following summer monsieur le comte de frontenac wrote louis the fourteenth i am surprised to learn all the new troubles and dissensions that have occurred in my country of new france more especially since i have clearly and strongly given you to understand that your sole care should be to maintain harmony and peace among all my subjects dwelling therein but what surprises me still more is that in nearly all the disputes which you have caused you have advanced claims which have very little foundation my edicts declarations and ordinances had so plainly made known to you my will that i have great cause of astonishment that you whose duty it is to see them faithfully executed 
have yourself set up pretensions entirely opposed to them you have wished to be styled chief and president on the records of the supreme council which is contrary to my edict concerning that council and i am the more surprised at this demand since i am very sure that you are the only man in my kingdom who being honoured with the title of governor and lieutenant-general would care to be styled chief and president of such a council as that of quebec he then declares that neither frontenac nor the intendant is to have the title of president but that the intendant is to perform the functions of presiding officer as determined by the edict he continues moreover your abuse of the authority which i have confided to you in exiling two councillors and the attorney-general for so trivial a cause cannot meet my approval and were it not for the distinct assurances given me by your friends that you will act with more moderation in future and never again fall into offences of this nature i should have resolved on recalling you colbert wrote to him with equal severity i have communicated to the king the contents of all the dispatches which you have written to me during the past year and as the matters of which they treat are sufficiently ample including dissensions almost universal among those whose duty it is to preserve harmony in the country under your command his majesty has been pleased to examine all the papers sent by all the parties interested and more particularly those appended to your letters he has thereupon ordered me distinctly to make known to you his intentions the minister then proceeds to reprove him sharply in the name of the king and concludes it is difficult for me to add anything to what i have just said consider well that if it is any advantage or any satisfaction to you that his majesty should be satisfied with your services it is necessary that you change entirely the conduct which you have hitherto pursued this one would think might have sufficed to bring the governor to reason but the violence of his resentments and antipathies overcame the very slender share of prudence with which nature had endowed him one morning as he sat at the head of the council board the bishop on his right hand and the intendant on his left a woman made her appearance with a sealed packet of papers she was the wife of the councillor amour whose chair was vacant at the table important business was in hand the registration of a royal edict of amnesty to the coureur de bois the intendant who well knew what the packet contained demanded that it should be opened frontenac insisted that the business before the council should proceed the intendant renewed his demand the council sustained him and the packet was opened accordingly it contained a petition from amour stating that frontenac had put him in prison because having obtained in due form a passport to send a canoe to his fishing station of matane he had afterwards sent a sailboat thither without applying for another passport frontenac had sent for him and demanded by what right he did so amour replied that he believed that he had acted in accordance with the intentions of the king whereupon to borrow the words of the petition monsieur the governor fell into a rage and said to your petitioner i will teach you the intentions of the king and you shall stay in prison till you learn them and your petitioner was shut up in a chamber of the chateau wherein he still remains he proceeds to pray that a trial may be granted him according to law discussions now ensued which lasted for days and now and then became tempestuous the governor who had declared that the council had nothing to do with the matter and that he would not waste time in talking about it was not always present at the meetings and it sometimes became necessary to depute one or more of the members to visit him auteuil the attorney-general having been employed on this unenviable errand begged the council to dispense him from such duty in future by reason as he says 
of the abuse ill-treatment and threats which he received from monsieur the governor when he last had the honour of being deputed to confer with him the particulars whereof he begs to be excused from reporting lest the anger of monsieur the governor should be kindled against him still more frontenac hearing of this charge angrily denied it saying that the attorney-general had slandered and insulted him and that it was his custom to do so auteuil rejoined that the governor had accused him of habitual lying and told him that he would have his hand cut off all these charges and counter-charges may still be found entered in due form on the old records of the council at quebec it was as usual upon the intendant that the wrath of frontenac fell most fiercely he accuses him of creating cabals and intrigues and causing not only the council but all the country to forget the respect due to the representative of his majesty once when frontenac was present at the session a dispute arose about an entry on the record a draft of it had been made in terms agreeable to the governor who insisted that the intendant should sign it duchesneau replied that he and the clerk would go into the adjoining room where they could examine it in peace and put it into a proper form frontenac rejoined that he would then have no security that what he said in the council would be accurately reported duchesneau persisted and was going out with the draft in his hand when frontenac planted himself before the door and told him that he should not leave the council chamber till he had signed the paper then i will get out of the window or else stay here all day returned duchesneau a lively debate ensued and the governor at length yielded the point the imprisonment of amour was short but strife did not cease the disputes in the council were accompanied throughout with other quarrels which were complicated with them and which were worse than all the rest since they involved more important matters and covered a wider field they related to the fur trade on which hung the very life of the colony merchants traders and even habitants were ranged in two contending factions of one of these frontenac was the chief with him were la salle and his lieutenant la forêt Dulut, the famous leader of coureurs de bois boisseau agent of the farmers of the revenue barrois the governor's secretary bizarre lieutenant of his guard and various other of greater or less influence on the other side were the members of the council with aubert de la chenet lemoine and all his sons louis joliette jacques lebert sorel boucher varennes and many more all supported by the intendant duchesneau and also by his fast allies the ecclesiastics the faction under the lead of the governor had every advantage for it was sustained by all the power of his office duchesneau was beside himself with rage he wrote to the court letters full of bitterness accused frontenac of illicit trade denounced his followers and sent huge bundles of procès-verbaux and attestations to prove his charges but if duchesneau wrote letters so too did frontenac and if the intendant sent proofs so too did the governor upon the unfortunate king and still the more unfortunate minister fell the difficult task of composing the quarrels of their servants three thousand miles away they treated duchesneau without ceremony colbert wrote to him i have examined all the letters papers and memorials that you sent me by the return of the vessels last november and though it appears by the letters of m de frontenac that his conduct leaves something to be desired there is assuredly far more to blame in yours than in his as to what you say concerning his violence his trade with the indians and in general all that you allege against him the king has written to him his intentions 
but since in the midst of all your complaints you say many things which are without foundation or which are no concern of yours it is difficult to believe that you act in the spirit which the service of the king demands that is to say without interest and without passion if a change does not appear in your conduct before next year his majesty will not keep you in your office at the same time the king wrote to frontenac alluding to the complaints of duchesneau and exhorting the governor to live on good terms with him the general tone of the letter is moderate but the following significant warning occurs in it although no gentleman in the position in which i have placed you ought to take part in any trade directly or indirectly either by himself or any of his servants i nevertheless now prohibit you absolutely from doing so not only abstain from trade but act in such a manner that nobody can even suspect you of it and this will be easy since the truth will readily come to light exhortation and warning were vain alike the first ships which returned that year from canada brought a series of dispatches from the intendant renewing all his charges more bitterly than before the minister out of patience replied by berating him without mercy you may rest assured he concludes that did it not appear by your later dispatches that the letters you have received have begun to make you understand that you have forgotten yourself it would not have been possible to prevent the king from recalling you duchesneau in return protests all manner of deference to the governor but still insists that he sets the royal edicts at naught protects a host of coureurs de bois who are in league with him corresponds with dulut their chief shares his illegal profits and causes all the disorders which afflict the colony as for me monseigneur i have done everything within the scope of my office to prevent these evils but all the pains i have taken have only served to increase the aversion of monsieur the governor against me and to bring my ordinances into contempt this monseigneur is a true account of the disobedience of the coureur de bois of which i twice had the honour to speak to monsieur the governor and i could not help telling him with all possible deference that it was shameful to the colony and to us that the king our master of whom all the world stands in awe who has just given law to all europe and whom all his subjects adore should have the pain of knowing that in a country which has received so many marks of his paternal tenderness his orders are violated and scorned and a governor and an intendant stand by with folded arms content with saying that the evil is past remedy for having made these representations to him i drew on myself words so full of contempt and insult that i was forced to leave his room to appease his anger the next morning i went to him again and did all i could to have my ordinances executed but as monsieur the governor is interested with many of the coureurs de bois it is useless to attempt to do anything he has gradually made himself master of the trade of montreal and as soon as the indians arrive he sets guards in their camp which would be very well if these soldiers did their duty and protected the savages from being annoyed and plundered by the french instead of being employed to discover how many furs they have brought with a view to future operations monsieur the governor then compels the indians to pay his guards for protecting them and he has never allowed them to trade with the inhabitants till they had first given him a certain number of packs of beaver skins which he calls his presents his guards trade with them openly at the fair with their bandoliers on their shoulders he says farther that frontenac sends up goods to montreal and employs persons to trade in his behalf and that what with the beaver skins exacted by him and his guards under the name of presents and those which he and his favourites obtain in trade only the smaller part of what the indians bring to market ever reaches the people of the colony this dispatch and the proofs accompanying it drew from the king a sharp reproof to frontenac 
what has passed in regard to the coureur de bois is entirely contrary to my orders and i cannot receive an excuse for it your allegation that it is the intendant who countenances them by the trade he carries on for i perceive clearly that the fault is your own as i see that you often turn the orders that i give you against the very object for which they are given beware not to do so on this occasion i shall hold you answerable for bringing the disorder of the coureur de bois to an end throughout canada and this you will easily succeed in doing if you make a proper use of my authority take care not to persuade yourself that what i write to you comes from the ill offices of the intendant it results from what i fully know from everything which reaches me from canada proving too well what you are doing there the bishop the ecclesiastics the jesuit fathers the supreme council and in a word everybody complain of you but i am willing to believe that you will change your conduct and act with the moderation necessary for the good of the colony colbert wrote in a similar strain and frontenac saw that his position was becoming critical he showed it is true no sign of that change of conduct which the king had demanded but he appealed to his allies at court to use fresh efforts to sustain him among the rest he had a strong friend in the marechal de bellefonds to whom he wrote in the character of an abused and much-suffering man you exhort me to have patience and i agree with you that those placed in a position of command cannot have too much for this reason i have given examples of it here such as perhaps no governor ever gave before and i have found no great difficulty in doing so because i felt myself to be the master had i been in a private station i could not have endured such outrageous insults without dishonour i have always passed over in silence those directed against me personally and have never given way to anger except when attacks were made on the authority of which i have the honour to be the guardian you could not believe all the annoyances which the intendant tries to put upon me every day and which as you advise me i scorn or disregard it would require a virtue like yours to turn them to all the good use of which they are capable yet great as the virtue is which has enabled you to possess your soul in tranquillity amid all the troubles of the court i doubt if you could preserve such complete equanimity among the miserable tumults of canada having given the principal charges of duchesneau against frontenac it is time to give those of frontenac against duchesneau the governor says that all the coureurs de bois would be brought to submission but for the intendant and his allies who protect them and carry on trade by their means that the seigneurial house of duchesneau's partner la chenet is the constant resort of these outlaws and that he and his associates have large storehouses at montreal is st paul and rivière du loup whence they send goods into the indian country in contempt of the king's orders frontenac also complains of numberless provocations from the intendant it is no fault of mine that i am not on good terms with m duchesneau for i have done everything i could to that end being too submissive to your majesty's commands not to suppress my sharpest indignation the moment your will is known to me but sire it is not so with him and his desire to excite new disputes in the hope of making me appear their principal author has been so great that the last ships were hardly gone when forgetting what your majesty had enjoined upon us both he began these dissensions afresh in spite of all my precautions if i depart from my usual reserve in regard to him and make bold to ask justice at the hands of your majesty for the wrongs and insults i have undergone it is because nothing but your authority can keep them within bounds i have never suffered more in my life than when i have been made to appear as a man of violence and a disturber of the officers of justice for i have always confined myself to what your majesty has prescribed 
that is, to exhorting them to do their duty when I saw that they failed in it. This has drawn upon me both from them and from M. Duchesneau such cutting affronts that Your Majesty would hardly credit them. In 1681, Seignelay, the son of Colbert, entered upon the charge of the colonies, and both Frontenac and Duchesneau hastened to congratulate him, protest their devotion, and overwhelm him with mutual accusations. The intendant declares that, out of pure zeal for the king's service, he shall tell him everything. Disorder, he says, reigns everywhere. Universal confusion prevails throughout every department of business. The pleasure of the king, the orders of the supreme council, and my ordinances remain unexecuted. Justice is openly violated and trade is destroyed. Violence, upheld by authority, decides everything and nothing consoles the people who groan without daring to complain but the hope monseigneur that you will have the goodness to condescend to be moved by their misfortunes no position could be more distressing than mine since if i conceal the truth from you i fail in the obedience i owe the king and in the fidelity that i vowed so long since to monseigneur your father and which i swear anew at your hands and if i obey as i must his majesty's orders and yours i cannot avoid giving offence since i cannot render you an account of these disorders without informing you that m de frontenac's conduct is the sole cause of them frontenac had written to seignelay a few days before i have no doubt whatever that m duchesneau will as usual overwhelm me with fabrications and falsehoods to cover his own ill conduct i send proofs to justify myself so strong and convincing that i do not see that they can leave any doubt but since i fear that their great number might fatigue you i have thought it better to send them to my wife with a full and exact journal of all that has passed here day by day in order that she may extract and lay before you the principal portions i send you in person merely the proofs of the conduct of m duchesneau in barricading his house and arming all his servants and in coming three weeks ago to insult me in my room you will see thereby to what a pitch of temerity and lawlessness he has transported himself in order to compel me to use violence against him with the hope of justifying what he has asserted about my pretended outbreaks of anger the mutual charges of the two functionaries were much the same and so far at least as concerns trade there can be little doubt that they were well founded on both sides the strife of the rival factions grew more and more bitter canes and sticks played an active part in it and now and then we hear of drawn swords one is reminded at times of the intestine feuds of some medieval city as for example in the following incident which will explain the charge of frontenac against the intendant of barricading his house and arming his servants on the afternoon of the twentieth of march a son of duchesneau sixteen years old followed by a servant named vautier was strolling along the picket fence which bordered the descent from the upper to the lower town of quebec the boy was amusing himself by singing a song when frontenac's partisan boisseau with one of the guardsmen approached and as young duchesneau declares called him foul names and said that he would give him and his father a thrashing the boy replied that he would have nothing to say to a fellow like him and would beat him if he did not keep quiet while the servant vautier retorted boisseau's abuse and taunted him with low birth and disreputable employments boisseau made report to frontenac and frontenac complained to duchesneau who sent his son with vautier to give the governor his version of the affair the bishop an ally of the intendant thus relates what followed 
on arriving with a party of friends at the chateau young duchesneau was shown into a room in which were the governor and his two secretaries barrois and chasseur he had no sooner entered than frontenac seized him by the arm shook him struck him called him abusive names and tore the sleeve of his jacket the secretaries interposed and failing to quiet the governor opened the door and let the boy escape vautier meanwhile had remained in the guard-room where boisseau struck at him with his cane and one of the guardsmen went for a halberd to run him through the body after this warm reception young duchesneau and his servant took refuge in the house of his father frontenac demanded their surrender the intendant fearing that he would take them by force for which he is said to have made preparation barricaded himself and armed his household the bishop tried to mediate and after protracted negotiations young duchesneau was given up whereupon frontenac locked him in a chamber of the chateau and kept him there a month the story of frontenac's violence to the boy is flatly denied by his friends who charged duchesneau and his partisans with circulating libels against him and who say like frontenac himself that the intendant used every means to exasperate him in order to make material for accusations the disputes of the rival factions spread through all canada the most heinous offence in the eyes of the court with which each charged the other was the carrying of furs to the english settlements thus defrauding the revenue and as the king believed preparing the ruin of the colony the intendant farther declared that the governor's party spread among the indians the report of a pestilence at montreal in order to deter them from their yearly visit to the fair and thus by means of coureurs de bois obtain all their beaver skins at a low price the report according to duchesneau had no other foundation than the fate of eighteen or twenty indians who had lately drunk themselves to death at Lachine montreal in the meantime was the scene of a sort of by-play in which the chief actor was the local governor perrault he and frontenac appear to have found it for their common interest to come to a mutual understanding and this was perhaps easier on the part of the count since his quarrel with duchesneau gave sufficient employment to his natural pugnacity perrault was now left to make a reasonable profit from the illicit trade which had once kindled the wrath of his superior and the danger of frontenac's anger being removed he completely forgot the lessons of his imprisonment the intendant ordered mijon bailiff of montreal to arrest some of perrault's coureurs de bois perrault at once arrested the bailiff and sent a sergeant and two soldiers to occupy his house with orders to annoy the family as much as possible one of them accordingly walked to and fro all night in the bedchamber of mijon's wife on another occasion the bailiff invited two friends to supper le moine d'iberville and one boutier agent of a commercial house at rochelle the conversation turned on the trade carried on by perrault it was overheard and reported to him upon which he suddenly appeared at the window struck boutier over the head with his cane and chased him while he fled for his life the seminary was near at hand and the fugitive clambered over the wall Dolier de Casson dressed him in the hat and cassock of a priest, and in this disguise he escaped. Perrault's avidity sometimes carried him to singular extremities. He has been seen, says one of his accusers, filling barrels of brandy with his own hands and mixing it with water to sell to the Indians. He bartered with one of them his hat, sword, coat, ribbons, shoes, and stockings, and boasted that he had made thirty pistols by the bargain while the Indian walked about town equipped as governor every ship from canada brought to the king fresh complaints of duchesneau against frontenac and of frontenac against duchesneau 
and the king replied with rebukes exhortations and threats to both at first he had shown a disposition to extenuate and excuse the faults of frontenac but every year his letters grew sharper in sixteen eighty one he wrote again i urge you to banish from your mind the difficulties which you have yourself devised against the execution of my orders to act with mildness and moderation towards all the colonists and divest yourself entirely of the personal animosities which have thus far been almost your sole motive of action in conclusion i exhort you once more to profit well by the directions which this letter contains since unless you succeed better herein than formerly i cannot help recalling you from the command which i have entrusted to you the dispute still went on the autumn ships from quebec brought back the usual complaints and the long-suffering king at length made good his threat both frontenac and duchesneau received their recall and they both deserved it the last official act of the governor recorded in the register of the council of quebec is the formal declaration that his rank in that body is superior to that of the intendant the key to nearly all these disputes lies in the relations between frontenac and the church the fundamental quarrel was generally covered by superficial issues and it was rarely that the governor fell out with anybody who was not in league with the bishop and the jesuits nearly all the disorders in new france he writes spring from the ambition of the ecclesiastics who want to join to their spiritual authority an absolute power over things temporal and who persecute all who do not submit entirely to them he says that the intendant and the councillors are completely under their control and dare not decide any question against them that they have spies everywhere even in his house that the bishop told him that he could excommunicate even a governor if he chose that the missionaries in indian villages say that they are equals of onancio and tell their converts that all will go wrong till the priests have the government of canada that directly or indirectly they meddle in all civil affairs that they trade even with the english of new york that what with jesuits sulpicians the bishop and the seminary of quebec they hold two-thirds of the good lands of canada that in view of the poverty of the country their revenues are enormous that in short their object is mastery and that they use all means to compass it the recall of the governor was a triumph to the ecclesiastics offset but slightly by the recall of their instrument the intendant who had done his work and whom they needed no longer thus far we have seen frontenac on his worst side we shall see him again under an aspect very different nor must it be supposed that the years which had passed since his government began tempestuous as they appear on the record were wholly given over to quarrelling they had their periods of uneventful calm when the wheels of administration ran as smoothly as could be expected in view of the condition of the colony in one respect at least frontenac had shown a remarkable fitness for his office few white men have ever equalled or approached him in the art of dealing with indians there seems to have been a sympathetic relation between him and them he conformed to their ways borrowed their rhetoric flattered them on occasion with great address and yet constantly maintained towards them an attitude of paternal superiority when they were concerned his native haughtiness always took a form which commanded respect without exciting anger he would not address them as brothers but only as children and even the iroquois arrogant as they were accepted the new relation in their eyes frontenac was by far the greatest of all the onuncios or governors of canada they admired the prompt and fiery soldier who played with their children and gave beads and trinkets to their wives 
who read their secret thoughts and never feared them but smiled on them when their hearts were true or frowned and threatened them when they did amiss the other tribes allies of the french were of the same mind and their respect for their great father seems not to have been permanently impaired by his occasional practice of bullying them for purposes of extortion Fontenac appears to have had a liking not only for indians but also for that roving and lawless class of the canadian population the coureurs de bois provided always that they were not in the service of his rivals indeed as regards the canadians generally he refrained from the strictures with which succeeding governors and intendants freely interlarded their dispatches it was not his instinct to clash with the humbler classes and he generally reserved his anger for those who could retort it he had the air of distinction natural to a man familiar all his life with the society of courts and he was as gracious and winning on some occasions as he was unbearable on others when in good humour his ready wit and a certain sympathetic vivacity made him very agreeable at times he was all sunshine and his outrageous temper slumbered peacefully till some new offence wakened it again nor is there much doubt that many of his worst outbreaks were the work of his enemies who knew his foible and studied to exasperate him he was full of contradictions and intolerant and implacable as he often was there were intervals even in his bitterest quarrels in which he displayed a surprising moderation and patience by fits he could be magnanimous a woman once brought him a petition in burlesque verse frontenac wrote a jocose answer the woman to ridicule him contrived to have both petition and answer slipped among the papers of a suit pending before the council frontenac had her find a few francs and then caused the money to be given to her children when he sailed for france it was a day of rejoicing to more than half the merchants of canada and excepting the Ricolet to all the priests but he left behind him an impression very general among the people that if danger threatened the colony count frontenac was the man for the hour End of chapter four